1: Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the
0: Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs>
1: you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asian Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you're listening to the Maps Step Back Podcast.
2: Yeah. Rep the Mavs. Overcame the setbacks, starting where we left at. No, we gotta get back, no, we gotta get back. Wrap the
0: map, step back. Overcame the setbacks, starting where we left at. No, we gotta get back, like, no, we gotta get back. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back
2: for a minute. What's going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Glatson. Uh, Matt, the Mavs, they're they're just they're in a landslide right now. They can't get back on track. Uh, that that huge win against the Utah Jazz just feels like forever ago. Uh, you know, they... They've lost, I think, the they've lost to the last four teams they've played that have had a worse record than them that they should have beaten. Uh, and it, it just doesn't look good right now. They don't look like they have a lot of energy. Uh, Fish, he put out a piece on DallasBasketball.com earlier today where, you know, said that focus was the main issue. Uh, I think it's a combination of things. You know, I, I'm not saying that they're not trying. I think they are. Uh but, you know, I do think they're worn out. They've they had to climb out of that huge early season hole. And, you know, that's kind of uh, taking a toll on them now because uh, they've been playing a really tight rotation, uh, playoff tight rotation for two plus months and it's finally caught up with them. So, but that's not an excuse. You know, they still have guys with fresh legs, they have the rookies they could throw out there if they wanted to, uh, especially if the team's going to look like this you know, what we saw against the Sacramento Kings and uh, against the Knicks. If they're going to look like that, you might as well put some fresh legs in there and just see what can happen. Uh, maybe they can bring some energy. So I'm not going to use it as an excuse because I do think they're worn out. I think Luca's worn out. You know, it, it sucks that he has to play like LeBron and Steph Curry combined uh, for this team to be able to win. If he doesn't play – they're not going to win the game, so uh, even a worn out Luca is better, you know, for the Mavs than just not having him at all. So uh, I put I put more of this burnout uh, on the on the way this roster was constructed more than I do the players themselves, because you know, if in an ideal scenario, if Luca needs rest. He's able to do so like what, you know, well, LeBron, he got injured. He's not resting. But still, you see with the Lakers how that team is constructed. Even without LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis, they've been able to tread, tread water, you know, because they have really good depth. You know, they got good players on the team. So, you know, I, I put a lot of that on the front office and how they've constructed this roster and how the last two off seasons have gone. Uh, What are you thinking about? I mean, am I I far off there or, I mean, how much blame do you actually put on the players themselves and effort uh, versus, you know, just what they are?
1: So it's kind of a combination of things for me, right? Um, I do blame the players in some sense with the focus. I mean, focus is focus. You you should be able to focus on your job. If, even if you're tired, I mean, that's what you're getting paid to do. Um, If they're worn out, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, that is the front office's fault. So it's, it's, it's a little on both sides for me. Like the player, the players should be more focused on getting to the six seed, obviously, but if they're worn out, they're worn out. There's nothing they can do that. That's what we've been complaining about all season. They don't have depth. The, the everything they did in this off season was a complete bust so far. Josh Richardson, especially lately has been horrible. And even on defense now, he's not playing well. Yeah. Um, so this offseason was a complete bust. It was, it was the offseason that we wanted, to, you know, that they needed to put them over the top. And they made some moves that on paper looked good. But it turns out that, you know, that they weren't. And now they're paying the price for it. And they had an opportunity at the deadline to add more. And they got J.J. Redick, which is still a work in progress. I'm not worried about that right now. It's only been a couple of games. But they don't have anything else that they can, that they can say that they've done to to improve this roster. I mean, it's this it's the stubbornness, it's the the cheapness, it's the it's everything. And it's it's all coming, you know, crashing down on them right now at the worst time when they should be able to to reach um, and catch up with Portland, who's been struggling, they're they're now in danger of falling down almost out of the eight seed now because yeah. I mean if, if this continues and they keep losing to teams like Sacramento. In Houston, and I know the Knicks are a playoff team, but I mean they're the Knicks. You should still beat the Knicks. Yeah, yeah,
2: still should have beaten the Knicks. Yeah, I, I mean the way it's looking right now, with all with the four teams that are in the play-in scenario, the Mavs, the Grizzlies, uh, the Warriors, and the Spurs. The Mavs look like the worst team of those four teams. So uh, they may be still sitting in seventh for now, but the Grizzlies are only like a half game behind uh the warriors i think they're like i want to say they're three games if i saw that correctly they're three games behind the mavs uh so if the mavs aren't careful in these last handful of games to end the season you know they could find themselves in a win or go home situation instead of having a chance to win and even if they don't win that you have another shot uh to get into the to to the 8 seed which like we said we hate this whole play in situation i think uh so i mean it is it's really dumb i mean it just completely waters down what what the teams you know higher in the standings have done throughout the regular season but it is what it is and uh, ironically enough mark cuban voted for it and pushed for it uh and now his team is in it and it just it's just a bad situation so uh that's just what they have to deal with they have to get it together the schedule is favorable they just have to you know they have to find a way to push through uh and and finish out the season strong they just haven't done it so far and i mean it's really frustrating because you know they've kind of they've had some situations where they've load managed both luca and kp this season but guys like dorian finney smith and uh, even Josh Richardson, aside from you know those guys being out with COVID, you know, they've played all season, uh, except for that one little area where they had to be out and they had to battle back coming back from COVID. Uh, Maxi Kleba, he's in that category. So there's all these other guys who haven't been getting that ki- kind of rest and it's catching up. Uh, it's and I mentioned this a couple pods ago, but you know, if when Luca isn't on his game, or even like last night, he put up, you know, uh, 37 points, uh, eight rebounds, and five assists, I believe. So, you know, he had a good statistical game. He was uh, over 50% from the field overall. But when you have guys like Josh Richardson, who is your starting shooting guard, who's been shooting 22% over his last six games, and he's worn out and hasn't been playing great defense, I mean, what's the point of having him – in your starting lineup at that point. You know what I mean? But And then you have like Jalen Brunson. He's on, he's coming off the bench. He got you uh, 20 points last night, 8 for 10 uh, from the field. We're going to talk about his contract situation later. It's something I can't believe people aren't talking about it. It's it's kind of a big deal for the Mavs this offseason, and uh, we just haven't seen anybody talking about it. We'll cover that in a little bit. But, you know, they've got to make – A change in the starting lineup, Matt, because it's a first quarter league, Uh, and especially for the Mavs. I saw a stat yesterday that I think Chuck Cooperstein put out on Twitter that the Mavs are 19 and 0 this year when they lead after the first quarter. So that means, so that means in 56 games so far this year, they've only led after the first quarter 19 times. That's awful. Like, how are they not getting off to better starts? Uh, I I think it starts with the starting lineup. I don't think – I get it. You know, the Mavs front office and, you know, Rick Carlisle, they're they're all stubborn and they want to make this Josh Richardson thing work because they traded Seth Curry, who is one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. Uh, They traded him to get more defense and, uh, you know, it just – it hasn't worked out. The trade hasn't worked and they're just trying to force it. And instead of being hardheaded, they need to bring him off the bench uh, and they need to put either Jalen Brunson or Tim Hardaway Jr. back into the starting lineup or even J.J. Redick. You know, I don't care. They have to inject more offense into that starting lineup to get off to better starts because it's obviously – vitally important that they do so. They, they can't keep getting off to these kind of slow starts because it, it sticks with them for the rest of the game. And a lot of times they end up losing those games. So, I mean, uh, that's where I'm at. You know, when you've won 30 games and 19 of those games you've won after the first quarter, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's just kind of an important thing. And Rick, he has to make a change. There's just no, I'm going to be appalled if they go into this next game with the Pistons with the same exact starting lineup, given what's happened here recently, there's gotta be a shakeup. I mean, there has to be, Uh, that's all I can say about it. Uh, But I mean, who would you, what would you do right now to fix the maps? Is this fixable or is it, is it going to have to be something that's addressed this off season?
1: Um, Look, I, I'm not sure. Um, It's difficult because, I think it comes down to Rick and we know how stubborn Rick is and he wants to stick with his lineups. I would love to see JJ in the starting lineup. I think that would be the perfect solution. Um, I don't want to see Tim or Jalen in the starting lineup because I think they're too important to um, the bench scoring. If you take one of those guys off the bench, then your second unit just, I think immediately tanks. Um, But JJ, I think he's new enough to where he's not, that vital to the second unit because the second unit's been pretty good for for the most part this season so if you threw him into the starting lineup sent richardson down whatever i think that's the best solution but rick always is the smartest guy in the room right he thinks he's right and he's going to be stubborn about it and i barring someone stepping in and saying rick you can't keep doing this i don't think that anything's going to change Um, we saw how long it was going to take or how long it was taking with Dwight Powell. Finally, like finally after games and games and games of him being not even an NBA player, it, it got to the point where he was like, okay, you know, he's lower end of the bench reserve, now. but he's now he's still getting minutes again, even though he's been a little better, but you you know how long these things take for him. He's, he's very stubborn and that's just the way it's going to be. I don't, I don't see another way out of it.
2: Well, I I mean, it's just a spacing thing. Like I remember, you know, when when Tim was in when Tim Hardaway Jr. was in a slump there, and they were like, "Well, let's try and bring him off the bench and see how that works." And it worked out well. You know, he's he's a six man of the year candidate now. I don't know if he is after you know this recent uh, stretch, but you know, it's stuff like that. And he makes he makes almost double what Josh Richardson makes, and they still brought him off the bench. So I don't understand the idea. That uh, you still have to play Richardson as much as you are, you don't have to do that. They're professionals. He can come off the bench. He can be a secondary, you know, playmaker in theory off of the bench. Uh, I mean, you just you have to change it up because he is just absolutely killing that starting lineup spacing. It's awful. No, there is no team in the league that respects Josh Richardson's shot right now. And they know that, you know, the Kings, it was the, <laughs> the Kings, they, they didn't care about Josh Richardson. And they're like, Josh Richardson, we don't care. We're just going to try and swarm Luca and KP. And then if these other guys beat us, then they beat us, you know? Uh, so something's got to change. They got to get off to a better start. Uh, you know, even if it means, you know, cutting down some of these guys minutes and giving, five to ten minutes a game to a guy like uh josh green who's likely the team's best one-on-one defender if we're being honest you know with his energy and uh his instincts and everything yeah he's raw and he especially on the offensive end he still has a lot of work to do there but how much worse can it be offensively you know what i mean get a guy in there with fresh legs who can play some really good defense and steal minutes for these guys to where they're not having to just, you know, run themselves in the ground. And then maybe you're a little bit more, you know, fresh for the playoffs or the play in is what it's looking like at the end of the season. So I don't yeah. know. It, it's it's frustrating.
1: You, you talked about them not respecting Richardson's shot and you, you would think that Dorian would be that guy, but they would rather have Josh Richardson shooting threes than Dorian right now, and that's yeah, that kind of Dorian.
2: Dorian's actually been pretty good lately. You know, he's he's gotten out of his offensive slump, uh, and he had twenty-two points last night, I believe. But
1: yeah, defense. If he can, if he can make that, you know, that recovery on his shot, and you know, and improve and. And get where he is now. You would think Richardson could do the same thing, but right now it doesn't look like he can. It's 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 getting progressively worse instead of progressively better, and that's very concerning.
2: And again, it's not just the shooting. You know, when he was when he was making a positive impact defensively. I mean, yeah, it was it was bad when he was you know not not able to hit the uh, broadside of a barn. Of. <laughs> uh, On offense, but at least he was playing his butt off defensively and he was making a positive impact on that end. But here lately, it just hasn't been working out that way. And like I said, I don't know if it's fatigue, I don't know if it's focus, I don't know what it is. But if he's not going to contribute on that end of the court, I don't know what he brings to the team, or at least to be worthy of a starting spot. So.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
2: Uh, I mean, I honestly, I, I know that, uh, I know that the Mavs, uh, have a lot of success with Tim Hardaway Jr. And, Uh, Jalen Brunson coming off the bench and being that you know dynamic duo but I really I want to see Jalen Brunson start and you know that's going to lead into this next topic uh, that uh, we're going to talk about uh, Jalen Brunson's contract
1: situation the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
2: All right, Matt. So, like I mentioned earlier, this is a thing that is kind of a big deal for the Mavs, uh, you know, heading into this offseason, and most people aren't talking about it, but. When Jalen Brunson was drafted, he was technically a second-round pick, but he got more of a first-round pick type of contract. But the way his contract works, and we've looked into this, okay, so it's a four-year contract. This is year three. And next year isn't guaranteed yet. So the options for the Mavs here are they can not guarantee – next year, next year's uh, year in his contract and make Jalen Brunson a restricted free agent this off season. So then they could resign him and match any offer that, you know, if he were to sign a, a deal with somebody else, or they can guarantee next year's contract and risk him becoming an unrestricted free agent next summer, which, <laughs> which in my opinion Sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, The third option is, you know, they could guarantee next year's money for Jalen Brunson and then agree on an extension on top of that. Uh, But, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, you didn't really expect there to be any kind of Jalen Brunson drama or anything you'd have to think about with him until after next season. But with the way the contract is set up, it's coming up sooner than, you know, most of us would have thought. So it's kind of a big deal for the Mavs. And I guess my question for you is, and what I've been thinking about is, like, which way do the Mavs need to go with this?
1: The latter of the three options. Just eliminate the drama. Um, you know, guarantee next year, sign him to the extension and be done with it. You can't lose him right now unless you have – Actually, no. You can't lose it. There's, there's no unless you have some plan scenario because they never have a plan. They never, they never do anything in free agency. They, they're not going to bring anybody in that's better than Jalen Brunson. I've already accepted that fact. Um, so you have to guarantee guarantee next year, and you have to do the extension. I almost don't even care what the extension is.
2: But see if, but see if, if you do that final option. You're basically saying that, you know, Jalen Brunson 100% wants to stay in Dallas and continue to be a, you know, a backup point guard, basically, because, you know, I personally think he should be starting over Josh Richardson, but, uh, you know, obviously Rick doesn't think that. And I think he's played well enough this year that he's deserving of a starting spot. I think he could be a starting point guard on a, on another NBA team. So, I mean, it really just depends on what he wants. You know, if, you know, if he decides, well, you know, he doesn't think his role is going to grow much bigger than what it, what it is right now in Dallas. And he wants that bigger role. Maybe, you know, if the Mavs guarantee next year, he's just like, well, we'll just wait and see what happens in unrestricted free agency. So if it's a situation like that, then I would rather him be a restricted free agent this off season. And then if he does sign a bigger deal with somebody else, or, you know, you have that control and, you know, you can sign him long-term no matter what he wants to do. And then you have about, you know, probably three, four more years before he hits that unrestricted free agency uh, market. So that's where I'm at on it. I, I mean, no, that- maybe it would, you're right it would be the easiest and the less dramatic option if they guarantee next year. And then, you know, plus have an extension on top of that. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. It just depends on what Jalen Brunson himself, what he wants.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're totally right. It's just, um, restricted free agency always scares me no matter which route you want to take in it, whether you're chasing somebody or whether you have a perspective, um, restricted free agent um like if somebody like the kings is like we're gonna max jalen brunson <laughs> yeah you know, some, some some franchise who's gonna way overpay him then you're like well great now we're we can't max jalen brunson now we're gonna lose him for nothing because there's gonna be some team who wants to overpay for him
2: but see okay. but see th- that's the difference for me too like worst case scenario that happens okay so Worst-case scenario, restricted free agency. They don't get an extension done, and he looks to sign an offer sheet with another team for an insane amount. And even if the Mavs don't want to match, depending on who that team is, I mean, you still have sign-and-trade options, you know, before they just decline the, the, the offer sheet. Uh, you know, we saw it with the, the Bucks and uh, uh, Bogdanovich before all that exploded. You know, they had a, a sign-and-trade uh, set up to where you know between the Bucks and the Kings that they were going to work out until until all that happened and it didn't work out and then he ended up signing with the Hawks. So uh, I mean, worst case scenario, restricted free agency, you could lose him for nothing. But I think they, you know, there's more ways you can find a way to to squeeze something out uh, of of a situation like that. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> This is just a gut feeling. I mean, I obviously don't know how he feels personally, but him and Lucas seem to be pretty tight. You know, they were drafted the same year. Uh, they they seem to be uh, two guys. Like if there was an if there was a guy besides Bobine that I had to say, okay, he's probably Luca's best friend on the team, it'd probably Jalen Brunson. You know, they they pick with each other a lot, but it's you know, it's playful. It's like two best friends uh picking with each other. So I mean I I feel like I feel like he has a good relationship with the guys on the team. I think uh the the franchise you know the, the front office I think they view him as a, a really important piece going forward whether it's with the team or even a potential piece and a bigger trade later down the line but I don't know man I just I don't I don't know what he wants for his role. I feel like his role could be a lot bigger than what it is right now, and that's the only reason I have doubts, you know, <laughs> about how this is going to play out going into the future. Because like I said, I mean, we didn't even think we would be thinking about this until the end of next year. But with the way that contract's set up, he could be hitting restricted free agency in a couple of months, which I don't think a lot of people expected. And frankly, I'm surprised we haven't heard more people talking about it. So I'm just uh, – I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens. <laughs>
1: It it's a scary situation because, I mean, let's face it. He's at worst than your third best player this season. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, no, yeah that's perfectly fair. I don't know if you saw it, but I put it on a, I tweeted it out yesterday because I was on a basketball reference, just looking up stuff and, you know, for a guy that's averaging double digits and he's averaging 12 points per game this year. So for a guy averaging double digits like he is and shooting at least 52 percent from the field like he is, uh, there's only a list of nine players in the league that have done that this year. And he's the only guard on that list. So, (laughs) very good. Yeah. So, overall efficiency, especially just overall from the field, and he's shooting 38 percent from three as well. But, you know, overall, that fifty-two percent field goal percentage. He's shooting a whole lot better than most guards do. You know, he's up there with the with the big men who you know live live at the rim and have naturally have higher field goal percentages. So he's been very efficient. He's been great in year three, and you know, like I said, I still think there's a step he can go up from from what he's been, but that step isn't going to happen until he gets a, you know, a bigger slice of the minutes and uh, either potentially starts or gets more minutes off of the bench. So one one or the other is going to have to happen for him to take that next step.
1: Well, you mentioned how the franchise views him, and I think that's something that can't really be understated. I don't think you understated it. I'm just saying in general. I think, in my opinion, I don't know this for a fact, but in my opinion, I think they view him as like, a Dwight Powell type guy in the sense that like I think they are attached to him. I think that they believe that he fits into their kind of, you know, their type of player, their kind of culture, everything that they, you know, value in a player, both personally and on and on the court. I think he fits that to a T. So I have a very hard time believing that they're gonna do anything to move him or let him walk or anything like that. Um,
2: I mean, you you would definitely hope so because he's one of the few picks that they've actually, you know, hit on (laughs) over the last two decades. So,
1: yeah, you would hope so. he's, he's, He's a Rick guy too. Like, he makes the right decisions. He plays smart. I mean, there was times last season when he didn't really do that and we got frustrated with him. But he was young and he's obviously taken a step forward this season. And I think he's going to keep taking steps forward. So, yeah, well, thing is, is, I'm, you're right. I, I don't, I, I had no idea until you brought it up to me. Yeah, was it yesterday you brought it up? Yeah.
2: Well, it's really our uh, our guy, uh, Blake Weir, that we talk to on Twitter every now and then, he's the one that ran it past me. And he was just like, look, <laughs> nobody's talking about this. And I, I didn't know about it. So I had to go back and, you know, just look up, brunson's contract and see how that stuff worked and sure enough you know that was the two options they have you know either not guarantee next year and have him enter restricted free agency now or guarantee next year and risk if you let me step back up. for a minute if they don't come up with a contract let extension let me step back in for a, a minute free agency next year which would be a disaster let opinion. me step back so, for a
0: minute um uh, I mean, it's, it's. let me
2: step back for a minute. No, no, you can't. Uh, So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but uh, you know, Jalen, he's, he's been great this year. Uh, He's taken the next step. I really, I mean, with the way the Mavs are struggling right now, there's a list of guys uh, who I would put in the starting lineup ahead of Josh Richardson and Jalen Brunson tops that list for me right now. So.
1: (laughs) I have a, I have a, a thought about that. Uh, Go back to the last few seasons when the Mavs have hit like a struggle in the middle of the season. Who's the guy that they inserted into the lineup during that struggle that kind of helped right the ship and turn it around, and then they sent back to the bench once they had things figured out?
2: J.J. Barea. Yeah.
1: And they don't have him, obviously, anymore. He's retired or whatever he's doing. I don't don't even know what he's doing. He's playing
2: overseas now.
1: Playing overseas. Good for him. Love you, JJ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but why can't Brunson be that guy? Now? In no, he... minutes, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing is what I'm saying. He could yeah. provide a, a spark maybe to the starting lineup. And then, you know, guys could get their energy back and they could get things turned around. And then you can kind of work your way back towards bringing him off the bench again. But they have to do something to shake things up. and Maybe that's exactly what they need, even if it's not permanent. Even if yeah. it's a five, ten game stretch,
2: and it, it and I mean, look, it's not like it's not like it would be a huge experiment either because we've seen Jalen Brunson in a starting spot. You know, yeah, at, cool. at, yeah, he does great. He's great as a starter. Uh, he's been able to more than handle his own in a starting position with or without Luca playing. So, I mean, I I think it would be a good thing. I mean, yeah, the, the JJ Barea stuff. He was more of like a uh, break the glass in case of a fire type thing you know he didn't really have the he didn't really have the role that Brunson has right now but like you said same concept you don't have to you know even when they played Barea uh, it wasn't a, a sure thing all the time you know they'd put him back on the bench well I mean it's the same thing with Brunson you could start him see how it goes I mean if it works out roll with it into the playoffs if you have momentum And if, I mean, you know, if it doesn't, you can always move him back to the bench anyway. So I just think at this point, given the skid that they're on, I mean, Matt, they're a lucky, and I mean, that was a great buzzer beating three pointer from uh, Luca in Memphis, but they are a lucky one legged, one arm shot put type of (laughs) buzzer beating three away from being on a, what, five-game losing streak now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, like, 15 or 16 games left until the end of the season. So, they've got to do something. You've got to do something to shake it up, and uh, I'll be looking at this next game against the Pistons, and, you know, we'll see what they do. If they lose to the Pistons, I mean, heads are going to start rolling, at least on Mavs Twitter, because <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, as many bad losses as they've piled up lately, you you just cannot lose to the Pistons who are actively tanking. I mean, that's one of those teams where they're just – they are actively tanking. And if you lose to a tanking team, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they, they are actively trying to lose, and then you can't, you can't beat a team like that. So maybe they'll get back on track. They need to because after that Pistons game, then you have that – uh home and home uh or the back to back games against the Los Angeles Lakers. And I have a was that? I have a question. Go ahead.
1: I didn't mean to cut you off, but this just popped into my head. Um let's say things continue in this direction. And let's say they fall out of the eighth spot and then they lose the first play in game which is it's definitely a possibility they're the way they're playing yeah. right it's it could certainly happen yeah, Do you Carlisle.
2: I, mm. I mean I, I no I'm, I'm gonna say no I mean look I Rick Carlisle and we we talked about it earlier this season when we thought that he had basically lost the team uh, you know we we had this discussion before but you know, after what we've seen this year and there's been instances where he's drawn up some really good stuff at the end, of, you know, even on that miracle uh, game winning Luca three. I mean, that was you know, people say that's a lucky shot and it probably was. But, you know, just the motions he went through to get that ball and, you know, the, the shot that was drawn up for it. That was Rick Carlisle. You know, he, he's still a good coach. He's a good offensive coach, a great offensive coach. Uh and when he's given the right tools around him, he's shown that he can win at a high level. So I mean, yeah, at some point there's gonna there's gonna have to be a scapegoat, and typically the head coach becomes that. But me personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't fire him. Not right now. Uh I think more of the heat, you know, if, if somebody's gonna get heat for them, you know, missing the playoffs because they lost in the play-in situation. You know, it needs to go on the front office more than it does Rick Carlisle. That's just my personal opinion on it.
1: I don't disagree. I, I just – in in my – from what I – from in my opinion and in, in my experience, I think usually it's the head coach first that gets the blame for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then for when sure. the office realizes after they bring in another coach and it still doesn't work – then the front office starts getting the blame, and then you start seeing heads roll in the front office. I don't think they should fire him either. I just, it's, I think he, at the very least, if that happens is going to be on the hot seat. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely something to watch going forward because you can't go through this whole rebuild that they've gone through over the last couple of years, with the tanking and the finally getting Luca, getting back to the playoffs, just to have a major step back, you know, trading for KP, if you have Luka and KP and you don't make the playoffs, that is the biggest one of the biggest failures in franchise history.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely it'd be devastating. And look, I agree. I mean, you know, coach head coaches they're usually the ones that take the brunt uh, of that blame when something like that happens. But and, and look, Rick Carlisle he hasn't been perfect either. We saw it as recent as uh, you know that last game they played against the San Antonio Spurs when. DeMar DeRozan just completely demolished them in the second half. I think he scored like 27 points just in the second half alone. And then when it came down to the end of the game and, uh, you know, uh, it, it came down to that final shot, uh, that was his decision, you know, not to to double DeRozan when he had been killing him the entire second half. And he let him go one-on-one with Dorian Finney-Smith and DeRozan hit the buzzer beater to win it. So, you know. Uh, he he has had his moments where you know you kind of scratch your head, but I, I really believe if he has you know better pieces around Luca on that roster, that we would see more success uh, from him than what we've seen, and it, you wouldn't be in those type of situations with the with the Spurs who are below you in the standings. You know, you Luca wouldn't have like I said it earlier. I really feel like you know, especially during that stretch where uh, he shot 43% from three for two straight months and he was still getting anything he wanted around the basket. It's just, it's not right that he has to play, like I said earlier, Luca, I mean, uh, LeBron and Steph Curry combined, you know, just for this Mavs team to be decent. You know, if if he's not on his game just even a little bit, this team looks like a a G League team sometimes. (laughs) And that's just that it's just unfortunate. So we used to I, say- I'm willing, I'm willing to give Rick Carlisle a little bit more time to, to hopefully have this front office, you know, put, put better pieces on this roster. I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, a lot of people give them the benefit of the doubt. I've said, I'm going to give them until this off season before I completely, you know, <laughs> turn into a major grump about it, even though I've, I don't know, man. I mean, they, they've really got to prove it because given the track record, uh, there's not really a, a lot there to uh, to keep fans excited about free agency. So we'll see how it goes. But I just, I don't think right now, despite how frustrating he can be at times and how hard headed he can be at times, I don't think right now is the time to uh, to let Rick Carlisle go. I think more of that blame has to go on the front office.
1: Well, we used to say that uh, about, you know, how it looks like a G League team. We used to say that about um, when Dirk was here and they, and they weren't putting pieces around Dirk, you know. Uh, on 105.3 The Fan, they would call it, you know, Dirk and the Texas Legends are going up against the, the Spurs. <laughs> and it was true. So that's, that's what concerns me, is that the track record going all the way back to when Dirk was in his prime, they still weren't surrounding him with the right talent.
2: Right. But and see, look. I
1: think that's going to be continue to be an issue going forward.
2: And that's another thing about Rick, too. I mean, yeah, the, the Mavs, they haven't won a playoff series in a decade now, which is awful. But if you look at those seasons, like even that, I think it was 2013 is when, they, when their starting center was Chris Kamen. <laughs> and somehow, I mean, Matt, you go and look at that roster that Rick had to deal with that year and that was the year Dirk had some injury issues as well, somehow Rick Carlisle got that roster to 41-41 and 41 on the season. That, he made that team a 500-basketball team, and that team was awful. That roster was terrible. And, you know, even, even in, uh, I believe it was the very next year, uh, 2014, when they had Vince Carter. And uh, they ended up making it uh, as the eighth seed in the West. And then that Spurs team was amazing. You know, best team in the league that year. And they took them to seven games. And if Juwan Blair doesn't get ejected uh, in that series for one of those games, I fully believe they could have pulled off the upset there. So, I mean, Rick Carlisle has had his moments. I mean, the Mavs haven't gotten over the hump, but it's, it's not a Rick Carlisle problem. It's an overall talent problem. That has been the problem. Uh, through the Dirk era, you know, they finally got a championship. They finally put the right pieces together uh, with a bunch of savvy veterans who were hungry, like uh, Tyson Chandler, and Sean Marion, and uh, they already had Jason Terry, and then you got Jason Kidd back. And, you know, it just the, – the puzzle pieces fit together that one year. Uh, and then you see what happened after that championship. They just – you know, they, they didn't keep it together. You saw how they did Tyson Chandler twice. <laughs> so I, I mean I don't know man I just talking myself through it you know I, I think everybody else can see it too I mean it's it's not a Rick Carlisle problem as frustrating as he can be sometimes uh, it, it's a talent problem so uh, I absolutely
1: agree
2: but, yeah so I mean they, they they absolutely cannot have a repeat this summer for of what they had in 2019 they, they can't, that It's going to be, if they do, it's it's going to be basically a, a death sentence uh, going forward because Luca's max extension is coming up, and they're going to have him on a max contract. It's going to be like the bigger max, too, because he's met all these qualifying uh, deals by making all-NBA and, you know, two all-star games and all that stuff. So uh, he's going to be on a huge contract. KP is going to be making $30 million a year. Uh, there's just not going to be a lot of room, you know, to improve. And you're basically you, – you better hope that guys like uh, Josh Green and Tyler Bay and Tyrell Terry, who I don't know what's going on with him, but he's been he's been gone forever now for personal reason. But you're basically putting yourself in a situation where if you bomb this offseason, if those three guys don't turn into something the next few years, you're screwed. I mean that and you're probably looking at you know at that point you're hoping that Luca is like Dirk and that he just wants to grind it out in the same place he's at. Uh but you know if it gets bad enough, then you could see where he might start to, you know, consider looking elsewhere. I'm not even gonna talk about that because it makes me sad, but I mean that that's how big this offseason is.
1: I'll say one thing and I won't go any farther. I don't think that there is another basketball player on the planet like Dirk.
2: I don't either. One of a kind for sure. Yeah. So we, you've got, you've got a couple loyal people in the league today, like, uh, like Giannis, you know, he signed that super max to stay in Milwaukee, but Damn. even, even, even uh, yeah. Dame Dame's probably the closest. Yeah. He's probably the closest. I'll I'll give him that. But yeah, there they'll never be another Dirk. I miss that dude so much. Well, that that's gonna do it for another episode, I think, unless you have anything to add. I mean, no, I, think yeah. kinda, I, I think we kind of I think we kind of covered it all. But yeah, I mean it's a big offseason, not just with the Jalen Brunson stuff we've we've discovered, but uh, but just how they're gonna fill in the rest of the roster around Luca because what's happened this year. And the last two off-seasons, I mean, it's just – it's not cutting it because fundamentally this is basically the same roster um, from Luca's rookie year. Actually, it might – you know, from an overall talent perspective, it might be a little bit worse because they had Harrison Barnes then and he's been killing it for Sacramento now. <laughs> so, I don't know.
1: I it, The Wesley Matthews has been better – was better than Josh Richardson is right now.
2: I agree. Yeah. As, as much as frustrating as Wes Matthews was during his Dallas tenure, uh, he, he was better than what we're seeing from, from Jay rich right now. So I don't know. I hope, I hope he gets out of his slump. I hope he provides some, you know, some positive uh, value when it comes to the playoffs this year, or if they end up in the play-in, you know, maybe, maybe that's where his value can be maximized, but I mean, he he's got to get it together. And if he can't, there there's just no reason he should still be starting. They can't keep starting him and, you know, continue to get off to bad starts and losing these games and just act like everything's going to be okay. Because like you said, it's going to be a disaster if they end up not making the playoffs this year. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it for another episode. Uh, We appreciate you coming in and listening every single week. Thank you guys so much for 1000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, That was a whole lot of fun uh, doing that ticket giveaway and everything. And we'll definitely do some stuff in the future. You know, we're going to have T-shirts. We'll do T-shirt giveaways, stuff like that. Uh, But we really appreciate it. Uh, Be sure to rate and subscribe on all your other favorite podcast platforms. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you know, leave us a review on there. Uh, And, yeah, we appreciate it, guys. Uh, Later this week, we're going to do a locker room session. We tried to do that today. But uh, as you can probably tell, if you, you know, tune into those, we have a little bit of audio Uh, inconveniences on there from time to time. So guys, we appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of the week and we'll see you about middle of this week. So see you next time.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance.